This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the uh, second uh, Black Everything is Black and White podcast of the season. Unfortunately, not quite as upbeat circumstances as last week when we were talking a little bit about optimism. Newcastle suffered a bit of a, a spanking on Monday, unfortunately. Uh, two men with me here. I'm Mark Douglas, Newcastle United editor. Uh, two men here with me, the uh, Chronicles chief sports writer, Lee Ryder and Chris uh, Woff. Uh, I've got that right this week. Lee, run us through West Ham a little bit. I mean... Is it as bad two, three days on as we kind of felt straight afterwards or were we maybe a little bit over the top? Um, I think some of the criticism has been over the top. I think the game in general, if you kind of break it down, they did start badly. West Ham came out of the blocks and looked like they wanted it much more. But I think Newcastle did recover a little bit in the second part of the first half. They just lacked that bite in Mm. the final third. Obviously, Jan Matt, the only player I have a to have a shot but then the second half it was just almost like a, an action replay they just came out didn't look up for it again conceded and it was game over after that and then because they've got no character um, no big characters in the team and the confidence is a bit eroded they didn't have the sort of you know capability to, to come back into the game and ultimately lost 2-0 but you know we know it could have been a couple more Yeah I mean that, that point there about about the characters that's probably one of the things that maybe concerns us going into Saturday. I mean, we don't obviously we'll talk a bit about that in the future, but you know they're going to have to have some big characters on Saturday. Yeah, they are. I think some of the players are, are still settling in. The new signings are still settling in. Uh, people like Wijnaldum, who's obviously he was, he's a successful captain from PSV. Um, he's going to take a few more weeks to, to get into it. People are going to have to get used to him. Uh, he's just one example. This team's going to take a bit of time to gel, um, but in, it just goes to show you, in Newcastle, really, you've got to hit the ground running, and, yeah. and this this team, um, this new look team, uh, certainly haven't hit the ground running. Yeah. Chrissy, were, were you concerned about the lack of concentration in the, the second half? Because my biggest fear with this team is that they just look vulnerable on occasions. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. Uh, the, there was quite every time West Ham counterattacked, I thought Newcastle looked quite vulnerable. There was particular situations where not necessarily single out any players at all, but there was situations but where you're going to yeah. <laughs> Just to give a couple of examples, there was a couple of times where Sissoko or Callback were Sissoko played a, a lazy pass when he could have just it was a it was a time Newcastle could have actually uh, counterattacked in the first half. Callback got himself booked stupidly because he he made a lazy challenge and then he made a stupid tackle. And I think that the frustration 
was that it was 10 minutes in the game, it was just an all too familiar feeling for anyone watching mm. this Newcastle team over the last 18 months. There's this, you just felt after 10 minutes they're going to lose this game, and you can just mm. you could see that it was almost the body language of the players. They thought we're going to lose this game, and you can't afford to do that after 10 minutes away yeah. at West Ham. There has to be more character in that team, as Lee said, and it, yeah. it wasn't present. Lee, you've you've I mean nobody um, who covers Newcastle United seen more minutes this season than you. You've gone right from Gateshead, feels a long, long time ago. You went to America, you did all of these things. Have you seen any progress from Gateshead through America through to what happened on Monday? Well, I think it, it kind of almost slowed down a little bit. You know, the, the Arsenal game, the, the Arsenal performance, players got applauded off the pitch. Yeah. They could see there was, you know, the, all right, there was no shots on target. They had 10 men. The, the, the crowd that were there could see the effort of the team. So it's not all doom and gloom. Yeah. Go back another game, nil nil against Man United. Yeah, isn't a bad result point, really. Yeah. So, you know, progress was being made. So I just think that like the whole world seems to have fallen apart mm. just on the back of West Ham. I'm not sure that it's that's quite a measuring stick to judge the whole thing. Um, you know, pre-season does seem like a long time ago. You know, there was people like Shane Ferguson, <laughs> Biggie Romana yeah. playing. Um, Freddie Woodman played in a few of them games, so I can't really use that as a an example. But I I think ten to twelve games, which is what obviously McLaren yeah. said himself, I think that's a fair time to judge the team, and then you're going to know where the team is going to finish. At the moment, they're desperate for three points. If you look at Watford over the ninety minutes, then you know this is a big ninety minutes for yeah. Newcastle, and then obviously two home games to come after it. But if they can get any type of win against Watford I think we'll all be feeling a lot better about yeah. life well that's the that's the only thing I think you're absolutely spot on and like probably something that I've, I've been a bit guilty of this week in particular they win these next two games it, it does look completely different um, but it's how they do that I suppose and Chris you know one, two of the talking points really we'll start with Moussa Zoka I'm going to ask Lee about Papi Cisse because I think Lee probably knows Cisse uh, and his game as well as anybody I'm going to ask you about Musa Sissoko because I know um, you've spoken a little bit about him and maybe think they should drop him, which is a big, a big statement when he is probably, on reflection, probably one of the best players in the team, on a, you know, most talented players in the team. Oh, I'd agree. I mean, I would say that his home debut against Chelsea is one of... And this is, I'm not going to make any bones about this, one of the best individual performances I've seen since James's Park. But I just think that... He's, they've tried to massage his ego for the last 24 months and they've, they've kept him in the team and at some point they've, just got, they've got to try and get consistent performances out of him uh, keep playing him on the right hand side has, it hasn't worked he doesn't look comfortable there he doesn't take on people often enough because that's the biggest strength of his game when there's broken play he takes people on he can't really cross a ball and as his attitude on Monday from a personal point of view watching it I just thought he didn't look that interested and I thought he was lazy at times I think he he needs to kick up the backside and I think mm. the way that that happens is I think it's got to drop him and say you're going to get in this team on merit you're not just going to get there because you can produce you have to be producing on a regular basis Lee what, what do you think on Suzuka? I, I think I agree with some of that I think um, there's been times where he's just walked into the team just because of who he is um, and that Chelsea game you mentioned it feels like a long time ago the big difference was he had a lot of desire then mm-hmm. to prove to the world, the Premier League, that he was here to, to make an impact. And I think it has just become a little bit too easy for him to walk into the team. Um, whether he's a right winger or not, I'm not I'm not sure. I think he said he wants to play number 10 a few times as well, yeah. hasn't he? 
but now we've already got we've got a queue of num- yeah. people saying they play, want to play number 10 Wijnaldum uh, De Jong so I don't know I don't know what, what you do with them if you drop them the consequences could be bad because you know he could go on a strop he's influential in the dressing room mm, true um, you. you know other players might then put their heads down it's a it's really now down to uh, Steve McLaren's sort of man management to, to to pull out a performance from him, and hopefully he can build from that. But you know, you know, if you were sort of playing football manager, I think you would definitely drop him <laughs> yeah. on there for the next game. Yeah, interesting about McLaren as well, because um, you know he, he's brought in as a new broom. I don't think we kind of expected that it. That we'd be talking about like these big decisions five five games in, um, but Sissoko is obviously one of them. He, I mean, that's a, that's a huge decision. But I think potentially a bigger decision for him is what he does with Papis Cisse because mm-hmm. the Cisse story, Lee, and you've chronicled it uh, really well. I think he's actually been hard done by Cisse quite a few times. I think I think you, you you've uh, talked about a little bit about what happened with him and Alan Pardew. He has been a little bit hard done by. For me now, maybe. It's all coming home to roost a little bit for, for Newcastle United with the, the way that they've treated Papu Cisse. And he's been portrayed a little bit as a, as difficult uh, this week. I think there's two sides to every story. You probably know that better than anybody else. A, what would you do with Cisse this week? And B, what do you think of Newcastle's approach to Cisse in the last 12 months or so? Well, the first the, the first answer would be I would definitely play him against Watford. Um, you know, I know a lot of people probably disagree with me and feel free to do so, but... For me, I would definitely have him back in because if you get the service right for him, he'll score goals. His record suggests that. Mm. Um, <clears throat> there seems to be a lot said about um, balls being played up to him and kind of bouncing off him and him not being able to hold the ball up. Well, I agree with that. That's not the type of player he is. He's not a target man. He's a type of player that really thrives on playing alongside another centre-forward. You know, someone who can complement his game, and I don't think Newcastle have tried that for a long, long time, mm. which makes his goals record yeah. even better, as far as I'm concerned. What's he like as a guy? He's a top guy. I think that the manager really, it must, it should be easy really to put an arm around him, say go out and do what you do best, and we'll we'll play around you. There obviously seems to be a bit of a problem in doing that. They don't want to build a team around him which I do find a little bit uh, baffling. There's a lot of support out there for Perez, but I think throwing a young kid up up front on his own and just expecting them to get a hat-trick is a bit unrealistic. Mm. Um, maybe play them together, um, you know, maybe push Sissoko in that number 10 role alongside him and then see what else you can do with Wijnaldum. De Jong really hasn't delivered uh, anything. that I've, I haven't seen anything. Oh, interesting, because I, I, I like him, but he has, you're right, he hasn't delivered anything. Nothing yeah. for me to say that he should definitely start a game. Um, he came off the bench the other night, he had one chance, didn't make that much more of an impact. So, you know, stick with the players who get goals. His mm-hmm. record's there for all to see. If you give him service, he gets goals. Against Watford, sh- surely give him another chance. You know, if he doesn't do it against Watford. Yeah, and he has scored this season as well. People forget, Pablo Cisse yeah. has actually, one of the rare play- Newcastle players who actually has scored. Exactly. So, um, Chris, Cissé? Uh, well, I slightly disagree with Lee. I agree with him in, in the extent that his goal-scoring record does speak for itself, and I think it is unfair to to say, expect him to be a target man because that's not what he is. Um, and I thought that uh, I thought there was a, f- a few 
people were overly harsh on him on Monday because I thought he didn't play very well, but there were some people saying he lacked effort and things. He was coming deep to try and get the ball. He was he was actively trying to influence the game. But I think that there's a difficult situation where McLaren doesn't really want him in his team. You can see that. And I, th- I, th- I think the shape of the team should change anyway. You could argue possibly play two two up top to have someone alongside him. Personally, I would like to see Perez with De Jong just off him. I'd like to see more of De Jong. He hasn't done anything yet, but from the little bits that I've seen him, I think he can influence a game. And I think he, he, on Monday, the one thing I did think he did was he actually tried to push the team forward a little bit, and I'd like to just see that from the start. Mm. might not work, but I, I personally think something needs to change. Yeah. I think whoever you put in is going to have to have some, some decent service. They yeah. haven't had for ages, have they? Yeah. Like Even Mitrovic had one cross from... And Bemba of all mm. people mm. at Man United, he hit the bar with it. Um, you know, Cisse, he, he did a lot of unseen work. I thought on um, you, you touched on it there when he was dropping back yeah. to try and, the classic sign of a frustrated centre forward. Yeah, I've got to go back to midfield here just to try and get mm. a feel of the ball. And you don't see that on TV, by the way, because I, yeah. I was in the office covering the game. You two were actually there. Mm. I think you do get a skewed view of what of what Cisse did if you watch on TV because you don't you don't see that kind of thing. Mm. Um, which, which I mean, West Ham, the the press will we'll never be going back there unless we get them in the cup. <laughs> but the press box at West Ham is the perfect vantage point where yeah, we, we were sat. You could see you could see all mm. the work he was doing right in front of you, um, and it and, you know nothing was coming off for him. He wasn't getting the service. I think there was one ball from Wijnaldum over the top, which was overcooked, and it was it just it was half-hearted. Yeah. Mm. And then when one cr- cross eventually did come in for him, I think he. It almost caught him by surprise. But, oh, eventually got the ball now. Mm. We've only had an hour. Yeah. Uh, and then he scuffed it wide. Then there was that awful overhead kick. And just a player who just needs some love at the minute. Mm. And just get the ball in the six-yard box for him. And, and I'm sh- honestly, I'm convinced he'll do the rest. But yeah. I appreciate other people have got different views on it. No, I think I think you, I think you might be right. I mean, my mind goes back to like when I say he was badly treated to by Newcastle. My mind goes back to that period with Alan Pardew. And I, I, I know I mention Alan Pardew every week and it sounds like I've got a vendetta, but I don't, but this is a relevant thing. When Shola Amiobi was getting the team in front of him, and Shola hadn't scored all season. I think there was a, there was a stat Begovic had scored more goals that season than Shola. Shola played like nine games. Cissé yeah. couldn't get in the team. No, and the, and it wasn't only that. They, they were play, when he did get in, he was getting played out of position. Mm. Oh, left, he played left wing. Left right, wing, right wing, well. right wing and you know, oh, there was grim. occasions where he was coming on. But he was coming on like on eighty nine minutes. What's the point in that? Yeah, you know. So he's had some bad treatment, I think. Don't yeah. he? Is at Newcastle? I think that's absolutely right. Finish up, there's an absolutely huge game on Saturday now. I mean, if, probably not a six-pointer. Probably too early to be talking about a six-pointer. But um, Watford's going to be going to be a big one. You're going to need some some pretty strong characters out there, I think, for Newcastle. I mean, the question really is whether they've got those strong characters. I think there's one or two that probably need to step up and we've talked about uh, today. Chris, are you, are you confident that Newcastle are going to get this? Do you think it's going to be a difficult afternoon? Well, I think that you have to look at Watford and Watford, what they've done all season and what they'll do is, is they'll come to Newcastle and they'll look, first of all, to shut up shop. They'll be happy for the first 60 minutes, let Newcastle have the ball. Uh, and what Newcastle have to do is they have to try and find a way to score, which is which has been difficult. And that 60% possession or whatever it was on Monday night and didn't actually do anything with the ball. Mm. I'd like to see a slight change in personnel. I don't think you need two deep line midfielders at home against Watford against a team who are going to come and sit back and I think you just have to for the first 25 minutes in particular throw everything at them try and get balls into the box as you say give whoever you decide to play up front a bit of service and I think if they score early on 
within the first 25 minutes, I think there could be it could it could be a fairly comfortable afternoon. The relief will go. I think the longer the game goes on without them scoring, I think Watford will get behind uh, get more confidence, and I think the ground could get a bit nervous. So I think mm. if they score early on, I think it should be a fairly comfortable afternoon. But easier said than done at the minute. Lee, are we going to be walking away on Saturday mm. thinking what was all the fuss about this week? Well, that that is certainly a possibility, isn't it? If they do get the you know two 0 win, three 0 win, whatever. That'll just lift the whole city. Um, for it to happen, then this team have got to show that they're together a bit more because you know there was. It seemed like you know seven or eight individuals just trying to do their own thing against mm. West Ham. Some of them were actually doing nothing, but some of them, you know, Sissoko just seemed like he was playing, getting the ball and running away with it, and you know, Torven, you know, didn't really deliver. Awful, very disappointing. Wijnaldum, very disappointing. He admitted that himself when I was talking to him after the game. Um, and CC, as I say, starved the service. So we need, you know, it's time for them all to come together and, you know, go out and, you know, let's just get the season kick-started, mm. get the win, and then, then go from there because, you know, this time next week there could be, you know, three points extra on the board and in the last 16 of the Capital One Cup, yeah. which... Then it's a different season, then, isn't it? Yeah, especially if Chelsea lose the to Arsenal, because then Chelsea are coming to Newcastle with a with a, a real point. But if Newcastle could be, you know, it, it's we so so well early. Chelsea as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. That was uh, that, that's that's definitely noticeable. Well, I'll, I'll, thank you very much, guys. We'll be uh, we'll be back again next week to uh, dissect what is going to be, a, I think, a, a huge week for Newcastle. But um, so I'm sure you'll agree some fascinating stuff there, and uh, it'll be interesting to see where McLaren goes from now. Thanks again, guys. This is Acast Recommends. Every week, we pick one of our favourite shows. And this is one we think you're going to love. Hello, I'm Jeff Lloyd, and I recently had a baby with Ed Miliband. A baby podcast, that is. It's a spin-off of our show, Reasons to be Cheerful. It's called Cheerful Book Club, and it's conversations with some of the best writers working in the world today. You'll really enjoy our chats with people like US broadcasting legend Rachel Maddow, literary giant Ian McEwan, and the big, short and moneyball author Michael Lewis. Feed your brain with ideas from the Cheerful Book Club. You'll find us on the excellent Acast app or wherever else you get your podcasts. Acast is home to the biggest podcasts from Ireland and around the world. Subscribe to this show and hundreds more now via Acast or wherever you get your podcasts.